1: Hello and welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio. This is your moderator Tom Reed and I am joined this morning by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari and uh, the Penguins with a Impressive and a taut 2-1 win uh, over the Islanders last night at PPG Paints Arena for the team embarks Barks on a six-game road trip. And don't look now, but this team is two points off the top of the East Division and climbing among the league leaders for what that ever means with 20 games left in the season – We know this team's playing good hockey. We know this team has two good goalies, and they had to both be used last night in the 2-1 win. Casey DeSmith coming off the bench to uh, relieve uh, Tristan Jari after Jari suffered a upper body injury, which is kind of uh, not disclosed, but that was as much as Mike Sullivan was going to say after the game but uh, Taylor you were at the arena covering the games and last night what is your headline coming out of that game
2: Yeah I'm you know just Smith he came in he said uh, he was cold that was the first time coming in cold off the bench but I mean he was he was great uh, and in such a close game I mean that was that was huge he was a uh, I mean he yeah, that's why they why they were able to pull out the win. But yeah, that was weird with Jari, um, cause I mean nothing clear happened to him in the in the in the first period. And Sullivan even said, you know, he can't pinpoint when it might have happened. But uh, yeah, he just didn't come out for the for the second period. We saw like the team doctor standing in the tunnel and uh, H- a me army down there. But um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see uh what what happens with him. We won't probably won't find it until Wednesday, uh, cause they are off Tuesday. But um, yeah, the Smith, he, he was, he was huge for them.
1: And De Smith, I, I, I don't think he has a medical degree, but he did say in the post comments, he did not expect it to be long-term of course, again, this is the other goalie. Uh, but I guess, uh, did you get any other word of, of any kind of timetable? Or is that the closest thing you got?
2: Yeah, no, nothing. Uh, I'm like, when McCann talked, McCann said he didn't even know what happened to him. Uh, so yeah, it just uh, Sullivan said the medical staff uh, felt it necessary to pull him out, uh, and yeah, he uh, at the time he didn't know what what happened to him, when when it happened to him. So, uh, Dave, yeah.
1: Dave, I'm wondering if you would have gone to Las Vegas, although legal gambling is in many states now, and said, "Give me a prop bet on a an Anthony Angelo power play goal and a Matt Martin power play goal tonight." How much money would you have right now? I'd be a
0: wealthy man, even if I just put 50 cents on that wager. <laughs> um, I think that was only the second of Matt Martin's career, and it had been the better part of a decade uh, since the first one. And I'm pretty sure that's the first power play goal that Anthony Angelo has uh, has scored at this level. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I don't think... Uh, we saw either of those coming, but, uh, you know, Angelo's goal got the the penguins off to a pretty good start. And I, in a game that I think might provide a template for them, uh, if they're going to win games against quality opponents, you know, while they have this watered down lineup, you know, getting a, uh, a five goal lead like they did, uh, in the previous game against the Islanders, uh, know is uh, is great for the penguins but it's not something i think they should count on i think it's a lot more likely that you know if they can get an early goal or two and then hang on the way they had to in the final two periods i think that's a lot more likely uh way for them to accumulate points you know while they uh try to hang on with uh, with so many key guys out
1: yes and in all seriousness Taylor, uh, Angelo kind of contributes to this uh, narrative here in recent games where guys stepping up, uh, contributing not just on decent shifts, but actually in the scoring column as
2: well. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's big. It, it's cool to see that, you know, come out of him too because he he was, you know, a point producer in, in the lower levels, just not so much at this level so far, but we are seeing more from him at uh, this level. But, yeah, but that's big um, – you know, the forwards they have out for him to be able to uh, step up the way he has on the second unit and, and the, the bottom six, whatever line, I mean, they've been changing it, you know, a couple games now, but uh, his line has been good too, whenever they've had it, him, him out there. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's big from him. Uh, Dave, uh,
1: we're, what I love, I love when a show comes, a show comes completely altogether and we're, we're going to have a theme, a thread that carries through all three segments today uh about physicality and I thought this was a fun game to watch because there was hitting in this game and I thought uh the Penguins gave as good as they got against the team that is very good in bringing the funk uh when they're when they're on their game and the Islanders uh hit a lot in this game and I thought the Penguins uh held their own in that department
0: well, according to the the stat sheet, the Islanders I think out hit them about two to one. Yeah, but uh, you know it, that's not unusual. the The Islanders do like to play a physical game, and and that fourth line of theirs is particularly effective at, at playing that way. I thought it was kind of encouraging for the Penguins that Sam Lafferty led them in hits with five. Uh, I think that's the kind of thing that that they have to. Uh, to get from him, uh, among a few other guys, uh, but it, you know, it, it was good to see him use his size um, that way.
1: Yeah, and like I said, you're going to get—we're all going to get into that a little bit later in uh, the show. Uh, uh, I want to get your opinion here on the games. Uh, two guys, I thought, also from the defensive side tonight. Taylor, uh, we saw some offense, uh, some primary assists uh, from John Marino and Matheson. I thought played a pretty good game. Had some secondary assists. Uh, the one started with just a block shot on one end of the ice and ends up uh, generating offense. The other, what did you see from those two defensemen tonight?
2: Yeah, like you said, Marino had the primary assist on those goals. Uh, Matheson had the the secondary one. I thought, and I Marino, I think we're starting to see more of what. Uh, he did so well last year during his rookie season. Um, he's been kind of streaky at times this year, but uh, it looks like he's really returning to his form from last year. But yeah, that, the one where he almost went like end to end and then uh, the setup from, from behind the, the net to that, 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 that play. Um, he just looked really good. And, and Matheson too. I mean, we knew he had kind of, a, you know, the offensive instincts he does, but a uh, 2.9, that's, that's good for him.
1: Dave, uh, Uh, This team, Penguins, uh, 13-1-0 when taking the lead into the third period. You're never supposed to lose many games, but that's a pretty good streak. And I I thought it was interesting in listening to Mike Sullivan tonight, talking about the simplicity with which they're playing. Uh, The Islanders had a big push in the second period, uh, got a goal from Matt Martin. And if if not for DeSmith, you know, they might have scored again or uh, several goals. But I thought in the third period, they did a pretty good job of kind of uh, grinding that game down. They did not give up a ton of uh, quality looks. Uh, That is winning hockey at this time of year, is it not?
0: Yeah, it is. And it's really, you know, the the way the Penguins have to play right now with so many, you know, they basically had until uh, Jason Zucker returned Monday night. You know, they were missing their entire second line. Uh, and as productive as the Crosby line has been lately, you know, I don't think the Penguins want to be getting into uh, shootouts very often. So they've got to play, you know, a disciplined, uh, structured, uh, defensively uh, conscious uh, style if they want to win games. And they did that, you know, pretty effectively on uh, Monday night.
1: Uh, Taylor, uh, just following up on that, when we will get to Jason Zucker's. Return in a second, but part of that is also good puck management, right? You know, in other words, not turning your puck, the puck over at the offensive blue line to let a team counter. I didn't see. It seemed to me that the Islanders really had to work for everything they got tonight.
2: Yeah, and for such, you know, the Islanders are one of the top defensive teams in the in the league. I mean, then they are, you know, above the Penguins in the division. Like this was a good team, Um, and the. Dave wrote about it after the last game. The The Penguins have done really well against teams like this, and I think that bodes well for, um, you know, the rest of the season making a playoff push and, you know, making a run because, you know, it's these kind of tight games like that that they're going to need to be able to come out on top in.
1: And, boy, I, I thought as uh, as as they as the Islanders did try to make a final push, and, again, I think fans here understand this. Maybe you're a little spoiled with Brian Dumlin, but, boy, did, Dave, he made a couple of nice defensive plays, to to prevent, like, those passes across the Royal Road or cross-crease passes, whatever you want to say. He is such a a good player kind of when games are on the line.
0: Yeah, I mean, he got off to kind of a a rough start this season, and then he got hurt. But ever since he's come back from his injury, he's played extremely well and in the process has uh, really lifted Chris Letang's game, you know, his defense partner. Uh, Dumoulin is a really
1: valuable piece of the puzzle for this team. Yeah, it's just, I, he's one of those guys again. And I think I've said this on our show before as a neutral, as someone who would watch maybe 20 games a season. I, I did not have a the appreciation of Brian Dumoulin that maybe I should have in the past, but watching him now night after night, boy, he, he it, it doesn't show maybe all often in the score sheet, but. Boy, a very good player, uh, Taylor. I want to get back to Jason Zucker. One practice into the lineup—that's not always easy. What did you see tonight with his game?
2: Yeah, yeah. I was kind of surprised to see him come in this quickly. Like you said, just the one full practice with the team. Um, he looked good. I mean, Sullivan. Uh, I, I asked about him. I I, I included a bit of my game story too. Um, he 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 almost he had a couple of good chances. There was the one point like point blank right in front of the net. Um, yeah, he could, have, he could have had a goal tonight. I think, uh, yeah, that's the way he looked uh, more than you can ask for for his first game back for, what, I think in, in 18 games.
1: Right. And Dave, speaking of, of getting back on the, the kind of a little bit underrated quality of, of Dumoulin, Casey DeSmith, again, that's that's not easy coming in. I mean, I think it's easier to come in between periods than in the middle of a game. But I thought it's it just game after game here over this the stretch of i don't know last uh, his last 10 12 14 appearances just really steady
0: yeah i mean the penguins goaltending lately has been as good as, as it was leaky at the start of the season um the smith is you know probably playing as well as any goalie in in the league lately um, and it, you know it's a, it's a real luxury to have a guy like him you know who can step in and and perform at that level, especially if he has to do so on on such short notice. You know when he's coming in during a game. Uh, yeah, it's very impressive, and I mean, and he's playing with with the confidence of a of a guy who's who's not only stopping pretty much every shot that comes his way, but you know who expects and looks like he expects to stop every shot that comes his way. Right. To, add
2: to, the, to Smith, real quick, um, I, I mentioned the stat a few times: the like goals saved above expectation, which is basically you take it, it's it's how goalies stand up against like the quality of shots too. It takes all that into account. It's a much better like uh, assessment of how a goalie has played, you know, just in a number than say percentage of goals against average. And Casey to Smith, going into this game, was um, seventh in the league in yeah, the seventh best. Uh, and so he's performing well above expectation, uh, given the quality of shots uh, he's quality and quantity of shots he's facing. So um, I don't think that's what you know any of us predicted coming into the season. But that, yeah, it's good to see from him.
1: Taylor, real quickly here, uh, the, some old Penguins uh, uh, thought that the, <laughs> they may hold off the record for uh, a little while longer, but the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, the minor league Sabers blow a 3 nothing lead and lose in overtime, four to three. Uh, tell us about the the record that they are about to break, possibly.
2: Yeah, God, I, they they shut on the video board when the when the Sabers were up three nothing over the Flyers, and fans are cheering because, um, yeah, the the Penguins hold the longest the record for the longest losing streak in league history, eighteen games. The Sabers, uh, they lead, they blew losing in overtime to the Flyers that tied it. So Flyers, uh, I mean, the the Sabres, one more loss and um, they erased that, the X-Generation 0304 Penguins from uh, from the record book. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's just, it's, it's crazy because I mean, the, the 0304 Penguins, they were trying to win. And I, I don't know if we can say that so much about these Sabres in a lot of these games, but um, yeah, just uh, crazy to see that record at least be tied, maybe broken. <sighs>
1: Pop the champagne corks maybe here here in a couple of days. Meanwhile, we've got a lot more to come, including uh, Steve Conroy uh, from the Boston Herald. He will be our guest to kind of preview the next couple of games. Uh, With the Bruins coming up, we've got a lot more coming. So stick with us here on the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Sports Radio. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio. Uh, we'll be joined in a, bit, in a bit by Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald. But first, let's let uh, let's bat around some some topics here uh, involving the Penguins. Uh, our own Dave Molinari uh, had a one-on-one this week with Ron Hextall. And in the week before, we were able to, of course, talk to Brian Burke on our our last podcast, and, and, and both gentlemen mentioned that, that if they could, they they would like to add some size, size slash toughness to the lineup. Um, I want to ask both of you guys, uh, do you agree that that is something they should be looking for at the trade deadline? And secondly, what would that look like? Taylor?
2: No, I don't, because I mean, when you look at, you know, like what what fans and people, but what, what, what they want, they want like a Ryan Reeves type, and there aren't many of those kinds of guys out there who can bring that element, but still also play hockey. Um, and the ones that are 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 very expensive; uh, would be very expensive to acquire um, on on the trade market. And I I just don't know what what they would give up to get someone like that, and who. Even is out there on the market that, that has a role like that can can still actually uh, contribute in other ways. So I don't, I, I I just don't see it happening.
0: Dave, those guys are rainbow colored unicorns. I mean, you you just don't find them. And if you do, they're you know they're in captivity somewhere else. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's you know there there aren't Rick Tockets coming on on the market uh, these days. And if somehow there would be, I'm sure the price would be exorbitant because there would be an awful lot of teams interested in acquiring such a guy. Uh, you know, with, with the game as it is today, you just – you don't have the luxury of of carrying a knuckle-dragger on, you know, dressing one every night. Um, it, you know, he has to be able to play the game. It, yeah. It's that simple. And uh, – I, you know, if, if a guy comes along, you know, you, you, you can't blame Hextall for keeping his eye open to see if one becomes available, but I certainly don't think anybody should assume that uh, they will be able to add that element before the deadline. That said, it's something they should, you know, continue looking for well past the deadline. You know, th- this team certainly could use some more uh, – size and, and toughness in the future. You know, it, it's not a short term issue, but, right. you know, it's not one that I, I think they'll necessarily be able to address before April 12th.
1: All right. Let's, 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 let's pull this out a little bit. Because one of the things I think part of this came uh, and it was kind of good timing, uh, as you mentioned in your story, Dave, because a couple of people took uh, some runs at Crosby in the, Two games set with Buffalo, and I and I think of a guy like, and I and I got to keep my Rasmuses straight. They I think they lead the league in Rasmuses. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it was Rasmus Ristolainen, the defenseman.
2: Yeah.
1: the defenseman. And um, my thought on that is, when we see guys go after stars, the, the 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 first thing that I think now we always think of, and it's a lot of times with the blow up hits, which those those necessarily weren't, but somebody drops the gloves and goes fights and. Everyone cools off. I'm wondering if they are looking for another type of, and again, this may not happen before the deadline. But you do you have to have that type of player in your roster? Someone, someone that if your star gets hit, you know what? We're going to take it out on your team. We're going to take it out on your Jack Eichel. Obviously, wasn't in the lineup, but we're we're going to have somebody, and it's going to be other than 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 Brandon Taniff. We have to have a guy that can skate. Obviously, you can't play in the league anymore; you can't skate. Um, but we're going to we're going to have our guy, and we're going to we're going to have Steve Conroy, as we mentioned on this next segment. And I look at a guy like Trent Frederick, who to me is kind of a rarity to your to your point, Dave. The unicorns—these guys who have a little edge to their game, that have some size, and that have the willingness to at least do that. Taylor, could you see long term? That's something that 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 maybe. Hextall and Burke are talking about.
2: Yeah, but I I think that has to be someone that you kind of have to home grow those guys yourselves if you don't want to overpay them like we talked about. So even then, I don't think there's anyone in in the system who who would come up and and have that kind of role. I mean, long term beyond this year, then I don't know how long are we talking.
1: um, Over the next next couple seasons. Yeah. And and I do want to caution you, maybe – Part of it, I think the the argument is as I'm putting the posting this question to you is who are those guys anymore?
2: No, yeah, uh, that's that's what I'm saying is like I, I have they drafted them yet or signed them yet out of college? I don't think those guys uh exist. Like Wilkes-Barre really only has like one guy in in that kind of role down there. Um, he's an AHL contracted defenseman. Like they're 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 not just sitting around in, in Wilkes-Barre waiting for their shot. They don't have any.
1: Dave, I talked to our friend uh, who will soon be a guest on our show today. Uh, I'm sorry, will be a guest in future. But I talked to Craig Button today about this topic, this very topic. Mm-hmm. About he says the Blue Jackets did not uh, did not develop a kid like Anderson, the one that went went to Montreal. The Capitals did not develop a guy like Tom Wilson. Those guys aren't developed. Those guys are, that development happens at a younger stage in, 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 in guys coming up through hockey teenagers or whenever you get started. And those that's just not being developed in the game. Do you see a time where that kind of player is going to be more in need to find a guy that, that has some size that can skate and that can hit a little bit, that has a little bit of an edge I, I, someone mentioned. I, I think it might have been you, Dave, or Rick Tockett, or maybe it was you, Taylor, or Rick Tockett. Those guys aren't even around that much anymore. Well,
0: no, that's a, that was a pretty uh, unique combination of skills that he had. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know that there have been all that many Rick Tocketts in in the history of the game. That said, the the Penguins do have two guys who have the size and the ability. To be effective hitters, uh, that if they develop that that aspect of their game could uh, could do wonders for their careers. I think, and that that's Sam Lafferty and Anthony Angelo. Yeah, uh, you know they're, they're bottom six guys, but if you want to make yourself valuable to your team, you know they have big bodies that are capable of of throwing some pretty good hits. They've both done it occasionally. Uh, but not nearly as often as I think they're capable of and, and not nearly as often as I think uh, would be to their benefit in making themselves integral parts of, of this lineup.
1: And, and Taylor, one of the things that Burke brought up and that I thought was interesting, and again, there's probably nothing they can do about it right now. But as we're talking about projecting this team next year, the year after, whatever, and, and everything obviously is reciprocal. But you look at his point was you look at the last three Stanley Cup champions and what they had was balance. They had they, obviously you have to have skill to win the Stanley Cup and nobody's going to dispute that. But when you look at, at, at a team like Washington or a team like St. Louis and even last year, Tampa, who seemed to learn their lesson, they added that edge to their game. Is in that frame in framing it that way? Do you think that's something that Pittsburgh needs to be on the lookout for uh, in coming years?
2: I mean, no, and I don't think that's fair to say that about even, like, Tampa either. Like, Tampa didn't win because they went out and added, like, a like a Patty Maroon. They won because they have – they have drafted and developed so well, and they have all those homegrown guys who started playing like stars um, and, so, throughout the lineup. Like, for Ford's defense and their goaltender, like, that those guys, they drafted well and they've developed well, it, and those are the guys I think carried them, not, like, a Patty Maroon or guys they added in that role, but – um yeah, so I don't I don't think it's fair to look at them and say like, oh, you know, that's why they were able to do what they did. Um, so the Penguins should grow and add someone like that because the Penguins don't have the other uh, pieces really that the Tampa did, you know.
1: Well, Tampa also, though, added guys uh, like Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman, uh, those type of players uh, that kind of gave them a little bit more bite after being – embarrassed the year before and swept in four games in the first round by Columbus. I think they kind of learned their lesson and said, yes, to your point, we've got all this talent, uh, but we've got to be able to at times this playoffs play the game a little bit different. Uh, I don't, I'm not arguing because you're absolutely right. I mean, Tampa has tremendous high end talent and they have to credit to their organization. They developed it. I just wonder as we go forward, if that's something, maybe more of what Hexdal and Burke are talking about, that we'll find out. We're gonna, we'll, we'll find out where that goes on. All right, the team obviously. Tom, you, um,
0: you, you got a pretty good look at at that uh, Lightning Blue jacket series in twenty nineteen. Uh, how much of a factor was uh, the perceived lack of toughness? It was, it uh, was on Tampa Bay's part of a, a factor in that series.
1: It was everything. Anderson absolutely terrorized the defenseman of Tampa Bay in that series. He won that series almost single-handedly because every time they dumped the puck in, those guys were looking over their shoulders. They were turning pucks over. Now, granted, very important to notice that Victor Hedman wasn't right in that series. He, he came into that series hurt and only played a couple games. And when you take, you're talking about one of your most valuable players in the league, but Tampa, I think, learned that, we need some of those guys too. And not there, there are very few, one of the things fans sometimes look at that, well, we need our, we need a, we need a Josh Anderson or we need a Tom Wilson, maybe not the run guys heads into the board, but, but we need that type of player. And I guess this is what this whole art, this argument, but this spirited talk is about is there just aren't a lot of those type of guys. And it, where there's no question in my mind that Tampa, that was a reason why Tampa went out and got a good row, and got a Blake Coleman, and he, I mean even uh, Zach Legosian, he's who's like 600 years old, and a Patty Maroon, those type of guys to add a little bit more snarl to their game to to then complement and make some of those other guys uh, feel a little better, a little safer on the ice. Because if your guy can do that to them, maybe their guys are starting to think maybe we're not going to run those guys all the time because our guy could get trucked as well. So I do think that played into Tampa's thinking going into the following season. But still, to Taylor's point, the high-end talent, just kind of what they have here in Pittsburgh too, is still at the end of the day going to win. But I do, I do understand what Hextall and Burke says, and I don't want to belabor this, but I'll make one last point on this. I want to see what you guys think. One of the criticisms of Ron Hextall's teams in Philadelphia, and you still see it today – is there's nothing of that in his lineup, in Philadelphia? They don't have any of those guys. Uh, you know, I, I, Travis uh, was it, how do you pronounce the Coconey? Connecting. Connecting. He's one of the only guys on that group that will go and hit guys and agitate and stir things up. He's a good player too. I, I would like to see going forward the Penguins add something like that, and it's one of the reasons why six foot tall Brandon Tanev stands out so much, right? Because he is one of those guys that are willing to do that, and I think that. But but you can't you can't rely on one guy to do that. And to your point, Dave, if some of these other younger, bigger players can maybe add that element to the game, and that's not an easy thing. That's not an easy thing to add because it's 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 in it's either in you or it's not, or it better be learned pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I think it's a valuable component. So yes, I do think that that's that the that Tampa learned from that. All right, let's move on here. Uh, obviously this team is uh, the Penguins have enjoyed a really good stretch of games, even with so many forwards out of the lineup. Um, so that begs the question, we've seen some pretty good performances from guys coming up from the taxi squad, even some guys coming up uh, from the minor league system in Wilkes-Barre. Taylor, if if I was to ask you, as they get healthy and there's a player that either should continue to stay in the lineup or at least when everyone's healthy would be the first player that gets a shot to get back in the lineup because how he has played who would that be in your mind
2: I mean I think it has to be Freddie Goudreau and I mean his his versatility would help there too um, because he plays both center and wing he's comfortable on both so um, regardless of of you know, who's, who's there when they get healthy. I think he has a a place in the lineup and I I just think it has to be him of the guys who have come up and we've seen, you know, him taking on an increased role on on the PK. I think that's where he has, you know, uh, a lot of value here is, is, the PK he's, uh, his role has increased every game. He's played, um, more minutes, like relative to the rest of the teammates. He's, you know, been the forward who, who's gotten the most PK time the past, uh, I think two, two or three games, um, And he's handled that role really well. He's also just, you know, um, scoring more than he ever has in his NHL career before, I guess, with the exception of when uh, he played against the Penguins in the finals uh, with Nashville. But um, he just looked good. Um, I mean, offensively on the PK, he's fast. And like I said, he can... Uh, play both center and wing. But I mean, if, if he does stick around at center, he's been good. He's been really good at faceoffs, and that's something um, they haven't always had in the bottom six um, centers. I think, you know, even when they get healthy, I think he, sh- if it comes down to it, you know, him or Jankowski getting in the lineup, I- he needs to be in over Jankowski.
1: Yeah. I always find it fascinating at this time of year, and especially in a year like this with the year of COVID with, there's just so much uncertainty. I look at a team like the Rangers and another Nashville player, a kid like Colin Blackwell, not a kid anymore, Colin Blackwell, who I think just celebrated his 28th birthday yesterday with a pair of goals. And these guys, they're invaluable sometimes, aren't they? they? They they can come up and they can play a stretch. Blackwell has just played so well that they can't take him out of the lineup. Do you think Goudreau is reaching – It's it's still early days with him and it's a small sample size – but has he gotten to that point, you think, where, boy, it's going to be hard to take him out of the lineup?
2: Yeah. I mean, the the PK especially, like I said, uh, like the way he stepped up there with Bluger and Tanev out, um, you know, the, the two other key PK guys. And then, I mean, John Jenkowski was on the COVID list for a game. Um, I mean, he he showed what he can do. And now that, you know, if they are starting to get healthy, I just don't – I don't see how they take him out just for what he brings to the bottom six. So yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, he's he's brought more in these just handful of games than Jankowski has the whole rest of the season. So, um, in that way, I don't see how you can take him out and still dress Jan- Jankowski. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I, I don't see him maybe going back down to Wolfsburg at this point.
1: And it's funny because you know we we think of Tanev and Bluger as being so instrumental in that PK that has that was really, in all honesty, just okay. And now that group. And uh, we're recording this before uh, the game on Monday night. But that 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 PK has really has really come on, has it not?
2: Well, they're perfect, and in and in, like we're recording this Monday, so without Monday's game, um, they're perfect in the last five games. They're seventeen for seventeen in that stretch, um, and that's without Tanev, um, Bluger, and then the one game without Jankowski. Which like are their top three most frequent PKing forwards? Um, so it's just, yeah, it's been crazy to see how, how they've come together. I mean, it's been him, uh, Aston Reese has come in, has, uh, I guess taken on a more elevated role in the PK Rodriguez had to get, get more minutes last game after, uh, Jankowski, uh, didn't play. Um, it, it just, I mean, uh, Sevier has, has been, has been good too. And he's a guy who we really haven't seen like a whole lot from up, up to this point, but, um, just seeing like the way all these guys have stepped up on the, on the PK, but I mean, Goudreau, especially just uh, kind of how, how quickly he's uh, seen his role rise. It's, it's been crazy.
1: Uh, We always like round numbers. Everyone loves round numbers. Uh, 20 games left uh, to the end of the season and the start of the playoffs. Uh, Taylor, is this a playoff team right now? Can you, can you say with, are you ready to say with confidence, the Penguins are a team that are going to make the playoffs?
2: Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, I, I, I think so. Like we're like we said, we're recording uh, Monday before the game, but they're in third place um, in the standings, and um, Philly's ten points behind them, and that's a lot of ground to to make up. Um, and I mean, the Penguins are only four points out at of at first. Like those top three spots are pretty uh, all very close, and then it's a pretty big drop off. So just looking at like where the standings are alone. Um, I, I don't see how they fall out of it at this point. I mean, it's possible if they um, uh, just kind of fall apart here towards the end. But, I mean, looking at the rest of their schedule, too, um, New Jersey, they have, uh, how, like what, four games against Buffalo left? Um, and some of these other teams don't have as easy of a schedule, like looking at the remainder of the season. So I don't know if this is a team that can make a run, but just looking at where they are now and what games they have remaining, I, I think this has to be a playoff team.
1: And when you and the other the other thing that obviously that's coming up looming is the trade deadline and God if Buffalo is bad now <laughs> they, they, they they've already got they've already jettisoned Hall uh, uh, you'd have to think there's some more players that are going to probably be on their way out. I mean Taylor Ohio. Hall, right? Almost, yeah, and, and probably New Jersey as well, and maybe even you know we'll see what happens. The Rangers, not that not that Brendan Lemieux great any great shakes because they're 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 bringing guys in for young players but i think the rangers will be another team that's actually going to get younger as as the season winds down because they have some guys that they're going to want to just take a look at over these next 20 games i think they're
2: their their games against the sabers are all after the trade deadline they play uh buffalo uh like mid mid late april like just after the trade deadline and then i believe their last series of yeah, they play Buffalo at home to close out the regular season, so uh, it's that's that'll be nice. Uh, I guess easy eight points, you'd think, but uh, you think
1: yeah. they, I? First of all, I agree with you. I've been saying this for a while now. I, I think they're a playoff team. I don't know how deep that will go in the playoffs, but 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 and I and I ask you guys this occasionally, and and I now we keep having a larger sample size with this team: fifteen, three, and one at home by far the best record in the division on home ice. Do you think it's, uh, is it worth really, I mean, you're not going like, to like, you don't have to do anything great about to go for this and get home ice in first round or even win the division and have it for two rounds. Is this team right now, do you think that they, they can catch Washington?
2: Um, I say so d I'm not sure off the top of my head what Washington's schedule is like for the rest of the season. So I mean that plays a big part of it too. Um mm-hmm. I think they've maybe played Buffalo and New Jersey a bit more than the Penguins have. Um but I mean I I don't know, I think it's possible. I I just look at uh what like Ovechkin's doing and he's heating up and uh when he's on his game, I don't I, I don't know how many um Games Washington is going to lose down the stretch now. I catching Washington, uh, maybe not catching the Islanders, maybe. So they, I mean, they could maybe get you know home ice for the first round, but uh, for the um, for the full East Division uh, playoffs, the first two rounds. So I'm not sure about that, but I think they definitely maybe get the number two seed.
1: All right. Well, I, I was able to through the magic of the internet, I was able to call up the schedule. Uh, what's remaining here for for the Washington Capitals? Uh, they do not, it looks like they have only two games left, two games left, uh, with the Mortabond Sabres. Mm. Uh, it looks like they've got a lot of some games here with the Flyers. Uh, they've got games with the Islanders. There's still the two games with the Penguins. So it's just, just those two games alone. I, I could very well see going into April 29th. Uh, in Washington, the, the, the two games on April 29th and the 1st, as maybe being a shot at, at maybe catching them, uh, or that could be those two games could maybe determine uh, who wins that division. So they don't have an easy road in. But as you said, uh, Washington playing well. The Islanders had been playing pretty well. I think there's no reason to think they won't stay in the race. I think it's going to be really fascinating here to see and, and I am someone right I, I do believe they are playing so well at home I think it would behoove them uh, to try to go for it and get those get those home playoff games I know Dave Dave Molinari occasionally brings up the history of of them struggling in game 7s at home but I think this team has a shot to get home ice advantage and they should definitely pursue it and I think it would really benefit them all right Uh, We still have another segment to go here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, Up next, joining us from the Boston Herald will be Steve Conroy. Uh, So please stay tuned. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Sports Radio. We are delighted to be joined by Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald to to preview some important games coming up with the Bruins. Uh, Steve, a couple weeks ago, it wasn't that long ago, where it was just a matter of where the Bruins were going to finish in the playoff rankings. They looked like they were going to run away with the division there for a little while. With 20 games left or thereabouts, how confident are you of the Bruins kind of uh, getting players back in the lineup and, and holding on to a playoff spot right now?
3: Yeah, it's uh, that, that that's a, a legitimate question right now. Um, I mean, the 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 Rangers have uh, lost the last couple of games, so they've cooled off a little bit. But they look like they were finally getting their act together, and and we'll see what Philly does with Buffalo tonight. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a question. And really, uh, even when they, they had been playing well at the start of the uh, start of the season, I mean, the the plan had started to go awry Uh, in the second game of the season. They lost Andre, Andre Kasha uh, to what everybody assumes is a concussion, though. It hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been termed that, but uh, he took a hit to the head and he's got a concussion history. Um, he was supposed to be that, that, you know, long sought after right wing for David Kretchy. Um They, you know, they, they'd been a revolving door there uh, ever since uh, Jerome McGinley had left the team. They thought they had their guy um, and they lost him in the second game of the season. He hasn't played since and uh, nobody really knows when he's going to be able to play again. That's just the nature of of these injuries as, as we all know. Um and you know they were able to get through that loss, uh, you know trying different guys there, but then you know things just really started to to fall apart with the injuries and and now they're they're in kind of uh, water treading mode and hopefully hoping, hoping they can hang on until some of these guys get back.
0: Who are some of the guys that are iffy or certain to be out uh for the games against Pittsburgh on, on Thursday and Saturday, Steve? Uh,
3: well, uh, Marshawn is on, is in, um, uh, COVID protocol. He started, he, uh, he went in on, um, uh, Saturday, Saturday morning, uh, missed the last two games. Um, DeBrusque has been in COVID protocol, uh, since last Friday when they had a uh, postpone a couple of games, um, you know who knows when those guys come back. Corrali has been in COVID protocol since um, since the uh, a week ago Thursday, and he skated this morning. But he, apparently he's still in in uh, protocol, but he's allowed to skate on his own, which he was doing. Um, so we'll see if he's he's available. Um, a couple of guys they might get back, and they're, they're fairly important players. Uh, is Brandon Carlo, who, uh, as I'm sure you know, has been out since taking that that headshot from Tom Wilson. Um, and he's both he and Kevin Miller uh, uh, skated this morning with uh, in an optional practice. Um, the, the, without the the red uh, uh, non-contact jerseys. So they were able to take some contact, take some hits and whatnot. Um, uh, They're a little bit iffy for tomorrow night's game uh, against New Jersey, but there might be a a possibility for the the games against Pittsburgh.
0: How big of a cruise missile did they dodge on on Sunday when Trent Frederick uh, hit Bergeron in the head.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, as you know, Bergeron ha- has a concussion history as well. But I don't know if you saw saw the pictures of Bergeron after the game. His nose was about three times bigger than it normally is. So I think that I think the schnoz took uh, took all the impact.
1: And he, that, Bergeron is one of the toughest players I've ever seen. Like how many, It was a, several years ago. I think maybe the year they won the cup or. The year where they just came close, where after this, after the playoffs, I'm laughing, uh, but it's not funny. He had like nine injuries or something. He yeah, was I, with like internal organs, like, like, like severed and stuff like that. That guy has to be beyond being one of the best all around players in the league. One of the toughest SOBs I've ever seen.
3: Yeah, and, and he just just missed out on on uh, writing another line in his legend. Uh... Uh, resume uh, because he, he had scored what what looked like the tying goal in the, in the final minute after coming back from having his his face rearranged. Um, but, the, but it got called back because of a goalie interference penalty call.
0: He uh, and his line mates uh, do more than their share of, of scoring, Steve. But secondary scoring has obviously been a uh, major problem for the Bruins this season. Mm-hmm. Have you seen recently any signs of anyone starting to provide that? And if not, is there any real hope of adding some uh, before the trade deadline?
3: Yeah. uh, um, The second line, which they've just kind of pieced together here with the brusque out with Nick Ritchie, uh, David Critchie and Craig Smith has been playing pretty well. These last, last two games and they, they, I mean they were instrumental in in uh in the Bruins staving off embarrassment <laughs> losing losing to Buffalo on Saturday they they pulled that one out of the fire uh they the, the line came up with two goals in the third period um so that is promising um below that I think they need a little help uh they will get help at some point when Debruss comes back uh he had been having a really bad year uh and he was in everybody's doghouse in – It looked like he was finally starting to break out of it and, you know, he got the, the, the COVID test and he's been out for nine days or whatever it is now. Um, They do need help. Like I said, anything, and even Cassidy had said this uh, a few days ago that, you know, if Kasha is able to give them anything, it's going to be gravy. So they're not really counting on him being able to provide anything this year. Uh, So it still looks like they need a right wing, which they've been saying for about six or seven years now.
1: <laughs> Steve, we, we just had a a, a a nice chat in our last segment about uh, toughness and how you define it. Uh, you know, Ron Hextall and Brian Burke have recently uh, told us that if, if they could, they would like to add uh, some kind of physical element to their team. As you know, the Penguins have won a couple of cups, and this has been a group, by and large, that has really, really gotten by with their skilled players, and, and they certainly have some great ones. Uh, Ron Hextall just left a franchise in Philadelphia where his drafts and the, the players that he acquired were so uh, unlike what the Flyers have had in recent years. They have kind of Kind of gone the way the game has gone. Uh, try to really emphasize skill and speed, and it's kind of a it's it's kind of uh, jarring sometimes when you watch the Flyers. And then we get to the team like the Bruins, who just two years ago were a game from winning the Cup, and they seem to be one of the teams that continue to understand, or they kind of emphasize a little bit of that grit, toughness. Even their terrific def- little defenseman McIlroy is a guy that's not afraid to stick his nose in there and, and, and cause chaos. Is that just something that is embedded in that organization that they thought is an important part of the game still, even as it goes so much towards skill and speed?
3: Well, I, I think they, ha- they had to reemphasize it. Um, uh, they'd gotten away from it a little bit. And when they lost to, to St. Louis in the, uh, you know, heartbreaking fashion, Game 7 at home, you know, there was a feeling that you know St. Louis has had kind of like outmuscled them a little bit in that series. Um, yep. it, you know, it uh, you go seven games, you think you can you know flip a coin as to what's going to happen in Game Seven. But um, th- so they they did have to reemphasize that a little bit. It was a big uh, you know, and especially with what uh, what you, we saw uh, what Tampa's been doing. As skilled as they are, they made a point of getting getting those guys like Patrick Maroon and in, in, uh, uh, two guys that, that they got at the deadline last year that I'm, the names are escaping me right now, but they brought some, they brought some sandpaper to that lineup. Um, yeah. They,
1: they brought in Goodrow and uh, Goodrow. and Coleman.
3: Correct. Correct. And in yeah. and, uh, and the Bruins really, you know, had the answer to that. And that was a, a big reason why they, um, they went out and got Nick Ritchie. They um, that. they had, they had Tried to get get his brother to do that job a little early in the season, but he didn't seem up to it for the, for them at least. Um, and in you know he he didn't pan out great last year. Um, he just didn't you know w- with the COVID and everything, the stoppage. He just never got his footing. But he's he looks like a a, a pretty good pickup for them right now. Uh, right. And you know he's he's holding his own on that second line with with. Uh, 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 David Cretchy. and also they, you know, they brought up uh, Trent Frederick who yeah. who's not only willing to, to do kind of that dirty work. It's he, he seems to enjoy it quite a bit.
1: Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. That was my next question is about a guy like Trent Frederick, because it does seem fewer and fewer teams are. And again, as you know, it, it's, 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 it, development starts at a lot younger age than when they get to the Boston Bruins or the Pittsburgh Penguins or whatever but i he stands out he stands out to me in in that way and not just standing up and fighting tom wilson but he brings an edge he's one of those forwards that can get inside as the coaches are always looking for guys to get inside not play on the periphery what has he added to that team
3: yeah he's he's an interesting player um he's been able to to play that bottom six role that that kind of disturber agitator Type and he's done it well enough that he hasn't taken any dumb penalties really, and he's drawn quite a bit with his strength. Um, with Marshawn out now on the COVID list, they've tried him on that top line, and it, he's got he's got a ways to go to to get there. But uh, if you remember, he's a first round pick. Um, he's playing out of position right now. He's played most of his career as a sentiment. So this is a little different for him. And he, he's he kind of if he's going to take the next step. Like like Brad Marchand did a, a decade ago, he started out as a as a fourth liner, and, and everybody realized that he's got a little bit of bit of skill there too. Yeah. Um, if he's to to take that next step, he he's got to uh, develop a bit of a, a a shooting mentality. I think he's uh, if especially if he's going to play on the wing, and he hasn't quite gotten there yet. I don't think,
0: Steve, if if the Bruins are able to get reasonably healthy by the deadline could you see them being in the the mix to contend for a cup it doesn't seem like there's a you know any overwhelming favorite at this point i think a lot of people uh, won't be surprised if tampa repeats mm-hmm. but i don't think that's that's a given by any means right
3: right i i mean if they can get healthy and they and they can get uh, it they can they can improve this sco- scoring one or two ways if they get a puck mover on the back end or if they get yeah, a top six wing. I'm not sure which way they will go on that on that way, um, but if they if they get healthy and they get one of those pieces, then yes, yes, I do. They can think they can be be in the mix. Um, they would be uh, an underdog, no question, against a Tampa, but you wouldn't see Tampa until you know the semifinals. Um, so, who knows what? what shape a team is in by that, you know, by the time you get there. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, they've got enough experience there that they have a, they have a puncher's chance. I would say I wouldn't make them. uh, I wouldn't put them ahead of Vegas or Colorado uh, or, uh, and that's probably the only ones I, I, I would put ahead of them. If, if you get healthy and if you get that, that one more piece, but I, yeah, I think they, they would be in the mix. All right, a Steve. Of, a Lot of ifs, there, right?
1: <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of ifs, and I think I think that really describes this whole division. There's mm-hmm. probably there's probably three or four teams that that probably feel the same way right now. Yeah. And we have a hunter's chance to get out if we can stay healthy. And the Penguins, of course, are, are dealing with that as well. Steve, thank you so much uh, for doing this. We appreciate it. Um, safe travels, and uh, that'll do it for us uh, this week. Or or I should say until Friday on the 66 to 87 podcast uh, for Steve Conroy from the Boston Herald and Dave Molinari and Taylor Haas. This is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you next time.